Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering dependency injection, talking a little bit more about that subject and how it plays out in Angular. Should be pretty cool. Let's uh, get after it. Say hi to our panelists, see who we got here today. We've got uh, Austin McDaniel with us. Austin, how's it going? How's it going, everyone? I'm excited for today's topic. Yes, very much. We got Mike Brocky with us. Mike, what's going on? Uh, not too much. Ready to talk a little bit, little bit not talk, mumble <laughs> about dependency injection. Nice, nice. You'll warm up. I think you'll get it going here as we as I we think that may have been an opaque token. <laughs> All right, here we go. The jokes are coming already, right? All right, maybe we'll have some puns and stuff too. It should be pretty cool. All right. Our guest today is Jessalyn Yin. Jessalyn, how's it going? Hi, everyone. I'm Jessalyn. It's great to have you on. Uh, looking forward to talking some dependency injection. Uh, why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, what you got going on, stuff so they can meet and greet you. Right. So um, my name is Jessalyn. I'm working in Malaysia. So the time zone is about 12 hour difference from um, US. And I'm working as a software architect front end in um, a company called Renstat. So it's a HR. Um, Hersha company, so they, they do do a lot of Hersha consultings and all those things. So we have a lot of um, small to medium um, Angular applications um, used by our clients and within our company. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Is uh, Angular? You got any Angular JS ones? Primarily Angular. Yes, we have Angular JS one. Indeed, we um, tried out. Vue.js for one of the um, small project. And then for some reason, we switched back to Angular because the team still like um, Angular, especially the in, uh, dependency injection that other framework doesn't have. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and so uh, dependency injection, uh, something you're pretty excited about. Is that correct? Yes. Nice. So. If you have a team that's excited about dependency injection, what was their technical background? Because uh, some frameworks and some languages have dependency uh, injection flavors and uh, implementations, but not all of them. So I was just curious what other technologies people use that we're familiar with. Uh, DI. Yeah, so my team, um, so most of my team working with Angular 1 application before and also from C Sharp background. Some are from Java background, so it's pretty much so you understand, so you know that because in Java and um, C sharp there's um, dependency injections and the team used a lot, and it's actually also easier for unit testing, so they used to that pattern. So when we move to do um, move on to do um, Angular application, the dependency injection then just become a natural. That makes a whole lot of sense. When I hear that people are excited about dependency injection in Angular, their background is typically either Java or C Sharp. So it doesn't surprise me to hear both of those mentioned. Yeah. So, I mean, Node or like JavaScript has like a service locator pattern. And so like, that's why you're typically gonna hear like the folks that do JavaScript not get excited about dependency injection because they're like kind of like why do i need it because you know javascript modules have this like service locator 
But like one of the reasons, like when you start trying to do like inversion of control and things like that, like the service locator pattern is like terrible because you've got to like rewire a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And also uh, one of the things is this provide a dependency injection. I mean, and the Angular services provide a consistent way. So wherever you want to do something, you know that this thing should do in component or this thing to do in service. So it's pretty much um, the mental model pretty much set. So you should go here or here or there. So yeah, it's easier for the team. Yeah, I kind of find it interesting with the whole dependency in injection thing that we have in Angular, right? It's like so um, embedded in it. It's, it's a core part of the whole platform, right? Um, and so people that come into it and start working with it, maybe they, if they don't have a background in dependency injection, they just kind of adopt it and start doing it. I, I wonder if maybe we can talk briefly about why dependency injection can be such a valuable thing. And, and um, Austin, you mentioned inversion of control and things like that. Maybe we can touch a little bit about what, what the power of dependency injection provides us as, as a pattern, right? Yeah. So um, I think one of the thing is, um, for example, um, the framework it provides some um, basic services, and then we can just use out of the box. And um, when we need a new service, what we need to do is it's not like uh, we can just create another service, implement the same class, and then we inject it into the um, into the module. Then it's just work. Um, I think this is one of the benefit because the implementations and the um not the implementation the the way that we are using it is very simple and it's not it's a little bit of like magic so you just provide a service and then inject it to the other then you can just use it like how you use it the the default uh class yes yeah and so it's like that, and then that power of that inversion of control, right, is that thought of saying, okay, I'm gonna hand things to this piece of code that it needs to work with. And like you mentioned, now because of that, you have this ability to swap those things out and then provide something different. And I think, you know, maybe the first thing that people think of is, well, for testing purposes, right? It, it makes that easier for that. Um, but I, also at runtime and, and things like that, I would imagine as well. You also have like, like I briefly touched on uh, just like a few minutes ago, like without that dependency injection, I don't know if you've ever tried to write like complicated unit tests in JavaScript without dependency injection, right? There's all these like NPM packages called rewire. And basically what they do is they just like swap all your paths out at runtime. And like, it's so hacky, it's so hacky. Uh -huh. And so with that like version of control that you have, right, like you don't have to do any of that. Like you can just let DI kind of handle that itself. Yeah, the differences between those is very much uh, the con conceptually the idea of push and pull where requires are all, all right, I want to pull stuff in, I want to pull stuff in and dependency injection is about pushing it in and, get, and you have to do it with hand motions. I mean, you can't really explain it without hand motions. But yeah, so with uh, rewire and what have you, is that you're basically saying, hey, when I pull this in, it's like, no, 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 I'll handle that. And I'll tell you where you're actually going to get that from. But depend dependency injection gives you that control externally to say, hey, I'm going to push in 
uh, the values whenever you instantiate a class that um, you're providing the values that you want. Another thing that like Angular's dependency injection library is like really awesome. Uh, like I've been working on a state management library and we have this like plugin ability and we basically like use dependency injection to like handle all the like loading of the plugins and swapping them out and things like that. So it's almost like a plugin API as well. Yeah. Uh, Jesslyn, how do you find it in comparison to uh, thinking about like dependency injection, say C Sharp or uh, Java? Um, you know, how is the pattern a little bit different? And, and is there, you know, what, what's that kind of feel like? Okay. Um, initially, the some some of my um, some of some of the backend developer that I work with when they can't jump into Angular, they thought that the dependency injection would be the same as in C sharp, but actually it's a little bit different. So for example, when we inject a class, or when we inject a dependency injection, um, the normally with the example we see is we just in the provider, then we put in the service. And then in each of the component, we we import the service again, and then, then, then we inject it into the constructor. And this actually uh, uh, posed a few confusion, like why do I need to import the service again? Um, in the module and import the service again in the component. Because when you say dependency injection, supposedly I don't need to import the class again. I should I should have an um, interface that implement that. I just inject, when, when I do the injections in the component, I should just import the interface. So that caused a little bit of confusion. Um, but in that case, this serves as the um, uh, concrete implementations and so in the in the module itself as the concrete implementation that you inject in and in the component it actually serve as an interface so that you can sort of strong type that so this is one of the um, confusion that I see yeah I, I kind of wonder if like you sat there and said okay I'm, you need to learn dependency injection to kind of work with Angular, right? And you don't know dependency injection, where do you start? Like, do, do you tell somebody to go learn dependency injection in these other type of languages? And then is there going to be that challenge of, well, it's kind of like dependency injection, but there's some things that are different. Um, you know, I've done dependency injection with C Sharp, uh, not too much in other languages. I wonder if, uh, like with C Sharp and Java and things like that, is it more like, like, one way, and then we've got this way in Angular that you just described being something completely different from those. Um. Um, it's not, for, for me, it's not like completely different, but there's some uh, slight, slight difference, like because in the, um, you still, in the uh, Angular dependency injection, there's uh, of course, in C sharp, you also have many ways to do it. Some people from Angular One background were saying that dependency injections is always a singleton, because you um, variable in Angular One, when you do dependency injections, it's always just one um, one instance created throughout the the whole application. But in Angular, but in the new Angular, it, there is like you can use 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 by using the service you can do. Um, um, application level um, injections, or you can inject the service by the module, 
and you can inject the service in the um, component. You can define your, your service in the component. So there are multi-level of um, injections on that. And so when people start, so I would suggest that just start with the um, module level and then um, application level, then the component level when you need it. I think one of the big differences between like dependency injection, and I've actually ran into this, a dependency injection in like languages like C Sharp and Java is the DI in those languages, they're transient, meaning like when it requests one, like it creates a new one every time versus like in Angular where they're not, right? Like they're state, right? And that's just the difference between working with dependency injection for like a server where there is no state really and dependency injection for like a web app where it's stateful. Yeah, but when you mentioned that about other languages and doing dependency injection, there's just usually configuration that will determine how often or based off of what rules a new class would be generated not where, for how you want to handle state or reuse or what have you. They give you those types of customizations as you define your container of how you want those to be spawned off or created for you. Yeah, but for the server, like, from what I've seen, like, typically everything is transient. Um, if you want it to be the reverse, which is what Angular does, like, stateful like that, you have to, like, specifically say that. Correct. And for most of the DI frameworks I've used when I was working with other languages, <laughs> dating myself, but a few years ago. DB. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> right. So you have this concept, right, where you kind of have to like register these, right, services at, with the provider. And we do that at our NG modules, right? How would you go about, um, what, what do we need to think about in terms of organizing that and, and where do we do that with our services? You mentioned starting out with just one module and doing it there, right? But as our, uh -huh. you know, our applications get complex and we have different NG modules and things like that, like how yeah. do we kind of make sense of keeping track of that? Yeah, so uh, we have a lot of discussion within the team, like where, how, where should we put our service? Should we put in the app level? Should we put in the module level? And should we create a folder or it should be somewhere else? And then, um, because like, for example, like some of the service is just between um, um, components. So it's like interaction between components. So we need to create a service for that. Where should we place that? And uh, for us, um, for the application level service, we will have a service folder for that. And for each of the module, if the service is within the module, then we will create, uh, we will have a service folder in each of the module as well. And then for the component, uh, from, for the service between components, so depends, uh, so that, that case is very much de depending. So for example, if the service is within the parent component, we will have um, component.service in the um, component folder. Things like that. This is how, how we currently organize that. Um, one of the downside for this is you might see some service in here, you might see some service in there. So there's not a single folder that put in all the service. Yeah. How about, how about you? 
Yeah, I, I think like for me, it's it's thinking about um, kind of a little bit of domain driven design and, and where do those fit in their own domain together, right? And, and grouping them that way. Um, and then trying to think about at, at what point do I register those in the provider of the module and is that module lazy loaded or not? So am I gonna get one instance for my entire app or am I gonna get one instance per lazy load, you know, those sort of things. Um, but I, th I think that that's one of the little bit challenges. I mean, it's something we face as, as architecting applications that I think is just part of it, right? I mean, there's always gonna be these challenges of thinking about how, where do you put things and organize things and how do you bring them all together? Um, but it's certainly one that, that arises and sometimes can get challenging with uh, figuring out like, okay, did I, if, if I register, you know, I think one thing is that when you, you register this uh, service in a provider in a, mod, in a module and you have some other module that consumes it and then you decide to move that module somewhere else, right? Like you can get this flow down of, oh, this service is available because I happen to register it in a module that's in, in brought in somewhere else. But as soon as I kind of break that apart, I, it becomes, you know, not available anymore. And so I don't know, how do you keep track of thinking about, I have a component down here that's using a service and it came from three modules over how, and not really, you know, get yourself into a coupling there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. I, I go, you go ahead, Jessa. I'll let you. No, you go first. I've worked with two different types of teams or two different thought processes there about where do you inject your services one of them is like i don't want to deal with it i'm just going everything at the proof and this way if i need it anywhere in my application it's provided it's there i have a single instance and that's about it i don't want to think about it just simple and i'll load them all up front um which is fine that works for some teams depending upon the app and how many services and what have you uh the other school of thought that i've come across um is the idea of I'm going to just provide it as close to its only need as possible at the most specific common route that I could possibly have. So whether or not that's all the way down to the specific level, or I have a specific module. I've seen people who, who have said, I only need this service for a component and provide it just on the components. And every time I get an instance of the component, I put it in there. Maybe you have state or whatever. You just separate out some logic. Um, but usually it's the closest module is what I've seen and what people seem to gravitate towards. But as Justin pointed out, as modules move around and you need uh, different functionality in different locations within your application, you reach the challenges of saying, all right, I want to take this and I want to move this to a more general level, but do I want to leave this uh, service provided here? Do I want to move it up? Do I need that functionality? And uh, you have to rethink that every time you do a refactor, um, not just, hey, I want to move a module, but what is inside that module as well. Yeah, that happens very much in, in some of my projects as well. So we just move and um, then, yeah, we just move that around. And then there's also times where things, the, the service actually just missing because not like because of the moving. Um, I currently, I don't find like solution for that. So we just need to deal with it. and the um, migrations, wherever you move that, just need someone that knows the project. Because my project normally is not that big enough, so the team have the knowledge on how we structure the thing. So then the moving is smoother. Cool, yeah. yeah. One of the things I think I found that, that helps in that is the unit testing, right? And, and we write these specs and 
And if we write these specs and start thinking about um, if I'm testing a component and the services that it's getting injected in it, and I'm only providing those things for my spec, my test run, then um, it kind of can expose if there's other dependencies of the tree that that thing is, is relying upon that I don't have because I didn't bring them into my um, test module, right? Uh, so I don't know, is that something that could also maybe help with, with that organization, I think? Mm, okay, so that, that might help, that might help, but there's also time where, um, so for some of the project, I'll, we'll just have the um, setup of in, injecting like most of the services in. So this is so, so something that, that we do like some, some hack because we want to set up the testing module a little bit fast. So we'll have, um, we'll have an array of service that always will inject in into the uh, unit test, although this is not that right. So sometimes like when we move the module to somewhere, then the, the service is still probably is still there then, but it's missing. So wherever that, wherever we compile our code or the uh, unit test is not running, then we know that um, it's, it's broken somewhere. Unit tests will set you free. They give you the freedom and the confidence to be able to do different refactors and everything else. And uh, I can't advocate testing more than that. They just allow you to say, all right, I want to do a refactor. I want to make some changes, but did it break anything else? If I move this, is it going to break? And they just give you that reassurance of saying, hey, yeah, I covered my bases. I'm happy. So, and that's not just DI, that's just testing in general, but. DI certainly helps with uh, organizing testing. Yeah. So I think we're, you know, one of the things we're familiar with in Angular is using the provider's um, property right in the um, decorator and providing our services through there. Uh, but there's also these other ways that we can uh, register providers, right? And use class, uh, use value, stuff like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I think the... The, the way that we can inject the um, the um, the things into the um, to do dependency injection in Angular is really good because we can inject pretty much anything. So you can inject by using a value. So for example, um, you probably have a class or you probably have a just a object which store all the um, API string. So for example, you have an API for customer. You would, you have a constant that store all these string or this string and you can if you don't want to like import this class this this object into a specific service or specific component you can create a service for that and how you do it you just need to provide um one you can create an injection token and then you just provide it as um a value to um to create a service for that and it's really helpful because it can be an object, it can be just a string, or it can be just a, a list of array, whichever thing that you think that you want to decouple, you just create that and then inject that in. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that that's something that, you know, if we think about in terms of inversion of control as we write our code, right? Mm. Um, it, these are the sort of things that, that 
get exciting in terms of the way that we architect our code uh, because we have this ability, like you mentioned, to say, well, I need this config value. Uh, how can I get it into these pieces of code throughout my application? Do I just provide it globally and bring it in as a as a, a constant or something like that? Well, you leverage this whole dependency injection pattern that we have and do the value like you mentioned. Now it's really easy to consume that, but as well, we can test that, right? And we can mock that out really easily and, and um, get pretty far with, with that as well. So those was a big benefit. And I think prior to um, Angular, uh, Angular version four or version three, we have something called an opac token. So by use, when we use the opac token, we cannot like uh, specify the type because there's no uh, there's they don't um, you cannot specify like what are the interface or what are the type of the of the token. But with the new um, Angular four and five onwards, I think then you can use something called injection token, which you can specify a type like probably an interface or for what is the token, the shape of the token would be. And uh, it makes things uh, easier. So you can you can do the similar way where how you inject in um, C Sharp or Java, which you can provide the end of the token with that interface. And then you have, can have a class that implement uh, the specific interface and then you just use the class for that injection. Like uh, in, in version control. And so then what would be the difference between the um, injection token and say using add injectable on a class or service that we write? Okay, so if it's a class, um, if it's a class, then you can just do like how we normally do the um, dependency injection, just include the service in. But if it's um, in some different shape, or if you want to be more loosely coupled, like from the syntax, from the syntax look wide. So, so you can you can just provide some interface and then just inject that in. So that's one of the difference if you are doing the class. And for um for some others value like um, object and arrays or this, then um injection token can can be the ways of doing that. Because you can't you can't you can't just import a class, uh import an object and then just inject that into the uh just register that as a um, dependency injection. Yeah. And then so um, on the other side, on the consumption of, of these and, and taking these into our constructors, uh, whether it be in a component or in another class or service or whatnot, um, we've got some decorators that we can use, right? Uh, things like we see things like self and skip self and optional host. Um, can we talk a little bit about those? Yeah, you guys use like some some of the uh one of the question I have like is is that no, no uh is that a lot of time where you use like a like self a like skip self option optional and host um decorator for your injection? I have before in tricky cases. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, most of the time I I also don't we also don't use that only like in specific case. For example, um. We have an optional decorator, which, if the um, if if the um, which means that if the um, the I, we have we have injected the I, then we can use that. We have registered that we can use that. But if we don't have, then you just don't need to inject that because if we don't register that and we use that, normally uh, Angular will throw us an error. But 
in some of the optional case, you might just want to um, just put an alias optional um, decorator, then the um, your, your application can compile, can run it, just that probably sometimes it's not really injected because you don't, you don't need that. Yeah. Could that be used in the case where you have a, um, like let's say a component inside of a, a module that's lower down and you don't know whether or not it, the service is gonna be available from another module higher up or something. And so you, you do that optional for that case or um, what, what would be maybe use cases for that? Uh, one of the use case probably is logger. So if you don't, so for the particular components, you can either log or don't log. If there's no logger, then you just don't log any value. So that makes sense um, that you use optional because it can be, you just some, in some case, you just don't need that. Cool. And then like the um, skip and skip self or uh, the self and skip self. Uh, Austin, you mentioned you use that a little bit. Do you have an example of maybe when you've used that? Yeah, in my state management library. <laughs> um, basically, like for feature modules, right, you have like a anchored module at the top, like a root module, and then in your feature modules, you need to actually like reference the root module. So what you do is you use skip self, and then it knows how to walk the tree up. It starts at the root. It doesn't walk upwards. It starts at the root and just grabs that one. Do you think that these uh, these are things that get pretty complicated in our lives as Angular developers? And maybe it's we, we get a lot of win from this DI, but maybe there's also some pain points that we hit. What do you I, think? I, mean, I think that like that is an extremely useful feature. I had no idea how I was going to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, and like I realized that. You know, I figured this out that there's the, actually this feature in there. I think the majority of people won't even ever use this or need mm. to know what it is. But when you're getting into really tricky cases, like I, I give the Angular team like a ton of credit for the maturity that this DI system has. Just things like foregraph, right? Like thinking about like the foregraph, the skip self, optional. Um, like all those things, they're, they're really tricky scenarios that you have to really think through and they can be really powerful once you know how to use them. Yeah. And when we, it's, it's like giving you a extra power that you can use, but not necessarily that you need to use every time. And most of the case, um, the basic service, the basic dependency ingestion already covered that all. So when people say that it's so complicated to learn, it's like how it's about how much you want to learn, like all this extra superpower probably you don't you just don't need it when you develop a simple application but when you need it it's really handful yeah that's a great point so what about um like this this whole concept of setting up and initializing our services right i mean because this is the cool thing about it like you, both you mentioned is that there's so much more power that there's all these things that we can do now, right? And and have this access to an ability to do and, and architecture to solve. So if we had a, a case like a service that needed to take in some configuration or setup, um, we can kind of do that with with the provide and and factories and stuff like that. Is that correct? 
Yep. So um, one of the thing, uh, one of one one of the um pretty confusing point when we create a shared module is when I think the first time when we create a shared module, because in the shared module we also have some service. So um, and some component inside the um shared shared module. So um, we learned that wherever we we want um some others the the external module to reference to this module component. We need to um, define. We need to in, import that into the export um, in the ng module. There's an export property that we can put in. But for service, there's no way to do. There's like you need to inject that again in the app module, or you need to do in somewhere. Which at the very beginning, the teams actually the the, the team include like all of us. I like, don't know what why is that. There's no export service, but there's export components. So it's caused a little bit com confusion on that part, and then after that, we um how we do is we try to search for uh, others uh others Angular uh, project. So we see that some of the project actually have dot for root or dot initialize applications, um when they define the module, then we sort of look into um these uh, public uh, libraries like some of the famous like and Angular Fire Two, and we know that oh actually you can um. You cannot export service per se because service is not for exporting, and but you can um, create a, a a factory to 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 uh, inject the service in, and when you define the module, you just it just come together with the module. That's why sometimes you have forums, sometimes you have for features with excluding some of the service. So yeah. And so then that really provides us this opportunity, right, to say I want to set up my service but it has a dependency on something else that I need to bring in. And so I can kind of do that configuration at that module level, right? Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of tools. <laughs> and like Austin said, uh, you know, the stuff that's provided by any other team for us to pull this stuff off is, is pretty powerful. You can actually, there's a project um, out there uh, called Injection.js. And um, it's basically like the core pieces of the Angular DI system, but um, extracted into like its own project. And I've actually used the Angular DI in a node project and it works really well. Oh, nice. I saw that is the, um, I think it's created by MinCore. So yeah, it's like, it's extract out the, um, injection piece of the, the powerful piece of angular and then you can use that in others project like react and some other project that you that you want and yeah so what about uh multi-providers and uh maybe we talk a little bit about that and maybe use cases for that or what we're talking about those okay so um probably i can share my screen on let me do you see my screen yep yep all right so one of the case uh one of the use case that we use um multi-providers okay so multi-provider is like um you can provide the same token with a multi uh multiple implementations um let me just show uh 
so um in this in this particular uh in this particular demo i'm using um injection token so i have a token which um implement this interface called chart processor which have a id and have a function called process data and i create an um, injection token for that so what i do is in the um application module what i have is i would just implement provide this is how i register my um my um my service in so i have a chart processor i provide that and i say use class um so in this case normally we just have one class that implement one one of the um, interface but in this case because um in the ui what i want to show is i want to show um two charts of that and the implementation might be different so what i do is i just provide the same kind of token and then i just put another additional property called multiple true multi true so that it will have um, multiple providers that implement the same um the same uh, class then what i what i'll do is i have two implementations one is called processor air so which is the chart air the the logic to process the chart air so what i'll do is in the process data i have my um a bunch of logic that i've written and in, and then in the uh, processor edge, which is the uh, chart number two, I will have the same uh, process data functions because it's implement the same interface. Then after that, in my um, when I want to use that, how one of the way that we can use that is um, we can just inject that um, inject that token in, and then um, in this case, um, and because of Angular dependency injection we put the multi um uh, we specify that this, this is a multi provider what it will return us is um an array of all the uh, service that's available all the things that we so there's in this case there's two so we inject two uh service in then uh, after that i can just look through this processor and then find like what are the so i have for example, if I want to load these tools, I have a list of A and X. So it's chart A and chart X. In this case, I can just look through the uh, providers and then just find it and call the process data method. And then what you can see here is, so it's something like um, you have a standard um, interface, but you have a multiple, uh, probably you have two or three, uh, two or three, uh, different implementation, you can just use the multi-provider. Jessalyn, I, I love this uh, example. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it really showcases how, yeah, how it, the multi um, works, but also the concept of now how easy it is to kind of scaffold an application and say, we're going to, you know, the chart is a great example of this, of saying one way to show data or another, and you can kind of build that out in an elegant manner in your code and simply provide those different um, implementations of that interface of how it, you know, it displays that data um, and wire that all up within, within Angular is killer. I, I love it. Yeah, we also use this for some of our grid because in some of my our application, we have a lot of tables, we have a lot of grid that we need to show up. And all the grid, basically pretty much you have um, column definitions that, so each of the, each of the table so we can have a like a multi-providers of different different grids and then each of the grid you will have a process column definitions function which you can dump in just 
anything that we want to dump in with a, just same method, but then you can just call that. So it's it's very easy. So wherever you create the same thing, you have a, a same way of doing that. You just need to implement a certain method and then just pass in as a multi-provider. And as part of that, you could hook into different properties on that component to be able to share or to, for the user to select what type of chart processor they want, uh, not just to iterate through and show both, but to allow the user to select, hey, this is how I want to see the data presented uh, in the way that it makes the most sense for me. I really mm -hmm. like that implementation. That yeah. Use case. Yeah. And another good, um, so apart from this, uh, some of the project, so because of we have some of the, uh, we have a base um, service, which always in always need to inject some some service. So for example, like a title service, which so, so for some of the container components, we always need to show, uh, we always need to set title, we always need to um, set some authentications. In this case, um, the um, Angular injector, so because we for the base component, we don't want to see, uh, we don't want to have the constructor to inject all the service in. So what we do is we um, call the injector and just use the in injector.get to, to, to get a certain service to initialize that. Then in the child component, then we just use that. As it brings up a good question, uh, like how often do you do you use or your team or, or other people, anybody um, find themselves using the injector to look up services? Is it kind of like not really done that much or is there occasions where we need to kind of do that? Um, uh, in my project, we only just use that for some base services, for some base setup. Uh, we don't, because it's like, this thing when you use injector, right, it's like embedded in your code. You cannot see, you cannot really see that. So we only use that for a specific use case and it's not a widely used um, pattern that we are using. One thing that you can use that um, use manually using the injector for is um, if you have like circular dependencies, but they're not really, they're circular at initialization but at runtime, they're not circular. So think of something like an error handler, right? You can't inject like you can't inject like uh, like your like a service right into an error handler because it could be circular. But at the time of the error, it's not circular. So a lot of times I have like global error handlers and I can inject whatever I want in the constructor, but then when the error actually happens, the error handler is already initialized and then I can use the injector to get that instance at that time. Did that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's something that's like a that you hit with dependency injection, right? Whether it's here in Angular or here in another language, C Sharp or whatnot. And it's one of those, how do you solve that scenario? And you get service locator or something like that, right? Cool. So um, there was a time when we were able to uh, inject or, or provide services at the component level, the component decorator level. 
And um, I, I don't know, do you, everybody remember that? And and how do you feel about that? And uh, you can still do that. Yeah, I, th I don't think it's been removed. Yeah, you can. There's specific yeah, cases yeah. for that. There, there's like specific use cases for that. So what what would you feel is the use case, the benefit for doing it at that level? I, I as somebody who's used it, my use case was I had a complex component that I was using a or I wanted to use a service per instance of the component to do a lot of processing and extract that logic into a service where the, versus leaving in the component. And I was using state within that service, right or wrong, I was. And it made sense to create a new instance for every time that that component was created. Yeah. Uh, so basically see, this, yeah. this little symbiotic buddy class that helped my component out uh, by managing and holding on to that data and doing a lot of the process. Yeah. Let's say Making it more testable too. Let's say that you have like a component and it's got like a tree of nested components in it and you have a state service, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. You have a state service and you want that state service to be specific instantiated for each top level component, but not shared across the global set. So that's a good use case for the providers at the component level. Yeah. I also use that as for normally use that for parents component and then um, serve at a state service like uh, Austin say, but then after that, we, when we move to um, some state service like NGXS or NGIS, we just remove that because the state managed that. But if you don't use the like state management, um, state manage management uh, library, then it makes sense that because that's a particular service, you don't need it like for all the others component. You just need for this particular parents component and the child. So that makes sense if you inject it to the um, component service. So one of the things that I always kind of got a little concerned about with it was it, when I'm writing a unit test for that component, if I'm instantiating that component, I can easily inject a, a mock or something into that, you know, thing because I'm controlling the instantiation, right? But if I was to use the test bed and test fixture pattern, right, um, is it become difficult to then say, I want to mock out that service? Well, how do I mock that out when the component is the one providing it, right? I mean, I guess I could spy on it. So I could do it that way. I guess maybe that's the solution, but it feels to me from a unit test standpoint that like, I really want to be able to provide a different thing for that. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, I don't know what are your thoughts on that. If I remember correctly, even though you're providing it in the constructors or excuse me, the components metadata, you still need to supply it as a constructor parameter. So you still have full control to be able to mock that out. So it, it's not a matter of a difference of the use case inside of the class. It's a matter of setting up a separate injector uh, provider um, at the component level. So the use case, I mean, the testability of it doesn't change at all. Cool. I feel better. <laughs> it's a digital hug for you, buddy. Inject yeah. that class in or that service in and use it how you want. Nice, nice. All right. I have confidence. He's going to do this everywhere now. Now that we told him he can do this, it's going to be his new thing. Well, I seem to recall, you know, and, and days go by really fast now, so I'm not sure, right? Life goes flying fast. But I, I seem to recall a, a time with early on with Angular where that was where we were providing our um, all of our services were at the component metadata. Yeah, and I wish it still was that way. 
<laughs> All right. So, uh, do we know anything about uh, maybe some future stuff that's coming with uh, with whole dependency injection and stuff like that, like tree shakeable um, stuff? Maybe there's been some chatter about that with Angular six, and I don't know. Anybody know about a little bit about that stuff? Yeah, I just read. Um, so I just read and watch some videos. So in um, Angular, not Angular six, but in the futures Angular, Angular seven or onwards, probably no, not seven, six. Okay, it, so it you can, sense. yeah, okay, you can probably you can don't need to. The module concept probably will be gone, and uh, and uh, what you can do is there's one uh pretty uh good articles that uh, mention about the tree shakeable token, which um, you, during your injectable, so you have a decorator called injectable. And um, from there, you can mention like, where do you want to inject this uh, service to, like which module do you want to inject it to? Then you don't need to specify that in um, um, NG module. So there's something like that. So it would be the way moving forward, I guess. Yeah, that that as far as I know, that's in six, uh, not just core, but it'll be in the CLI as well. So whenever you generate a service, it'll give you a what's called a tree shakeable service by default. Um, so you mentioned, I think it's the injection or injectable um, decorator um, has a property on it called provided in oh. that tells you where that service is going to be provided. I think the default for that is the string root, which is the root injector. Uh, or you can specify a module of where that would be injected. And you can do that in the components too. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm not aware of that, but maybe. <laughs> I'm There's not something sure. like that for the components that you can do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was thinking of what you were just describing. I'm going crazy. Well, the future knows, right? So we'll see in the future. Um, but it's pretty cool that we got some new stuff potentially coming along. So the dependency injection story is still um, moving along and, and going forward. All right, uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour. Uh, is there anything else that we want to mention about dependency injection before we kind of get to picks and wrap things up? Anybody? Or are we ready to close the chapter on dependency injection? I got nothing. No. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, do some picks if anybody has any picks today. Um, Austin, do you have anything you want to share? No picks for me today. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you want to pick our previous episode a couple episodes ago? You can do that. I can pick that. I can pick the NGXS episode <laughs> and Austin state management. So, Mike, do you have anything? Uh, just one. Uh, I've, I've missed a few episodes of recent, um, but it was because I was working hard to get a, an RC release of the Angular CLI, which came out this morning, yesterday. I don't know, days, hours, time. Uh, confusing, uh, but the RC first RC is out, so RC zero of the CLI is released. So, looking forward to tweaking that during the RC period for a final release. Nice, nice. All right, I got a pick. 
Uh, and it's this uh, lens, this mobile lens from Moment, uh, Moment Gear. They make uh, video uh, lenses and things like that for uh, phones. And they've got one that's under a Kickstarter right now that's an anamorphic widescreen lens. So it's pretty cool. Um, so I might have to order up one of those things. But it basically clips onto your phone uh, and will do anamorphic um, aspect ratio, which is really, really wide, like you see in the cinema. And it also has this other thing that adds like these lens flares to it. So you also get these, anytime it hits light, you see these lines and stuff like that. So it's very cinematic, but I don't know if you can turn that off or not. I don't know if I want like JJ Abrams with everything that I record, um, but I do want the anamorphic widescreen format. So I don't know, we'll see. But uh, that's my pick, moment uh, anamorphic lens. Seems pretty cool. All right, Jessalyn, do you have anything that you want to pick? Uh, okay, just one. So check out NDXS. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> because I think it's, it's, it's a pretty good document, pretty well documented, and I'm checking that, I'm checking that out as well, try to implement that, try to use that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Austin's getting all kinds of plugs today. All right, Jessalyn, uh, do, you, uh, do you do any talks anywhere? Do you have any blog posts or anything else that you want to share? Maybe uh, places that uh, people can follow you on, that sort of thing? Uh, I, so I have a blog. So I wrote in uh, scotch.io. So it's one of the, uh, the websites that posts a lot of um, web development articles. So you can find me there. And I have a Medium account as well, which I post. Uh, my articles regularly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, taking the time to uh, share with us, talk about dependency injection and share your knowledge. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. All right. That's it. That's a wrap. Uh, we'll call it good for today. And we will see everybody next week. We got ng-conf coming up pretty soon. We're going to do a live episode from ng-conf um, on a Friday during lunch. So that should be crazy. But I think we got one more episode before then. So um, we'll see you next week. Later.